Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Calling It A Day with Chloe and Cleo. As you may have seen, we took a little break last week. Um, I don't know, I think we're just reaching that point of, I don't know, quarantine or the podcast or maybe just the fact that there's been a ton of stuff going on um, that we haven't always been in the mood and we're just learning to listen to our bodies and our minds and kind of what our heart is telling us if we need to rest. Um, And you know, this podcast is usually not that serious. So yes, we took a break. We're back. Um, But today we are going to be diving into a more serious topic than usual. I know usually the podcast is just, you know, kicks and giggles and we're just bantering and early on we joked about how this podcast couldn't be called It's Casual because we wanted to maybe one day dive deep and today is that day. We're recording this um, two days after the three shootings that occurred in Atlanta. Um, And I don't know, we didn't really have much on our mind at the moment. I think we're still trying to process and create that space um, to really, yeah, feel all the things that we're feeling. And um, I guess we're kind of using this episode as that. Um, Obviously, as we are still learning and processing alongside, you know, a lot of you guys, um, the things that we're, we're saying are really just going to be coming from our heart and our personal experiences. And, um, I know I still have a lot to learn and just to be informed about, um, whether it's this or BLM or any, any other thing that has, um, you know, really just deeply impacted our society this year. So with that said, um, You know, if we say something that you don't agree with, totally respect that. Um, Does not come from a place of malicious intent or any of that. And um, we'll kind of just see where this takes us. I know Cleo has a bit more lined up, whereas I'm kind of just jumping in with my raw thoughts. Not sure if that's (laughs) going to work in my favor, Um, but we'll see. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's like obviously – we know that we, it's not like we have an actual platform, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we know we're not the bee's knees, but it just felt wrong, like, not to talk about it and mm-hmm. not to say something. Right. Um, because I'm like, it just feels wrong to, like, pretend, like, this, this isn't, isn't what's on our hearts and minds. Right. Can you imagine if we came with, like, a story time? And, I mean, like, by the time this episode does come out, it will have been, I mean... Less than a week. Less than a week, yeah, that's true. Um, but that's the thing. It's like I feel like it's hopefully the momentum wouldn't have already dissipated mm-hmm. by then. So I don't think it'll be like anachronistic. Yeah, and I think to be candid, we very much thought about talking about racial justice um, and kind of the whole BLM movement, all of that back in the summer. Um, but I think it was something that maybe we didn't feel like we had enough mm, personal experience and knowledge to speak upon and by no means did we want to I don't know I don't know what it was I think we we had talked about it I think it it was we were scared (laughs) yeah and we had talked about it multiple times and I mean we've had our own conversations within the household but with this it's so personal and um if this is something we don't speak up about like you know when are we going to speak up and um I think 
we've been taught growing up to keep a low profile and keep to ourselves um don't make too much of a splash like like all of those things for the sake of our safety um but in our generation I feel like there's a sense of wanting to speak up and a lot of that speaking up isn't just for ourselves and our values but like for them like our parents the people who kind of taught us these values so it's definitely gonna look different as the generations go on but um yeah with that said I know Cleo has a much more organized thought process that she's gonna kind of lead us down and I think I'll learn a lot from it as well (laughs) yeah I guess I mean again like we are not the most yeah we're not like the most knowledgeable unfortunately Mm mm-hmm but I think we're on a journey to try to be more knowledgeable and to learn. Mm. But, um... Yeah. Um, sorry. I know you're about to dive in. Yeah, every time you're like, I'm gonna pass it off to Cleo. Before I, know, I but pass it off, I'm gonna keep going. I know. This is me processing live. I think it also looks a little different because we weren't born in America. And so there is this in-between of, like, dual citizenship. What's good? <laughs> <laughs> because, like, a lot of people talk about how, like, you know where are you really from like I hate when people ask me that and like I get it but like for us it's like well you're like frick we're not really (laughs) yeah it's not really America and so we've always been in that in-between and there's so much of the history that we didn't really learn because we're not from here (laughs) well yeah I mean I don't want to use that as an excuse but I know what you mean like when people ask us where we're from right Seattle and they're like oh where are you from from and I'm like <laughs> yeah, like, I'm like Seattle, <laughs> <Just> like <laughs> <But> not <laughs> right. So it, it it's true. It's not an excuse by any means, but also I think we didn't grow up having this dialogue. And I think with a lot of things regarding this arena, I just have a ton of catching up to do. Which you know, I guess now is the time to start. Okay, I promise. <laughs> I don't believe you that you're gonna actually pass it off. To I promise. No, I was gonna say I promise lips are sealed until it's my turn to yeah until you motion me then I can <laughs> talk again no you can just chime I'm just in. kidding you I'm can just chime kidding in whenever yes I'm done for now passing off the mic everyone here's Cleo <laughs> oh my gosh I'm like okay well I guess I wanted to start off by talking about what happened in Atlanta um I'm sure many or all of you guys know by now, um, on March 16th, so at this point it would be two days ago, um, a 20-year-old gunman murdered eight innocent people at massage parlors, six of whom were Asian women, um, and he claims it was not racially motivated. Um, and a lot of the headlines that you see, like, it doesn't mention anything about like, hate crimes, racism, like, xenophobia, anti-Asian sentiment, or anything about race. Like, it just says, eight dead in Atlanta area, suspect arrested. And I, I don't know, I guess I wanted to start off by saying how it's actually so crazy to me that just because this murderer was like, no, it was not racially motivated, that all of a sudden, like, we would believe him. I'm like, why are we believing the words of one white man over his actions? I'm like, the lost lives speak otherwise. And it's just so crazy to me. And like, I admittedly never realized how important it was to frame 
like racist, misogynistic attacks for what it is. Because again, like I didn't realize, unfortunately, until now that when you don't frame it as such, a lot of people won't realize it's a problem. They'll just be like, oh, it's another like, like gunman, another like gun control issue, which in this case, it might be, I think it's like a mix of a lot of things. But at the root of it is racism and hate. And by not clearly saying as such is actually dangerous because like, as we've seen in this past year, like rhetoric is very important because then it manifests itself into actions. And yeah, and I'm just like so astonished that we would take the word of this white murderer Mm -hmm. over, you know, the lost lives of six Asian women and eight people. Right. And I think... I think going into my thought process or like creating at first honestly I saw it and I was just like overwhelmed by social media um and it took me a little bit to kind of like choose to engage and to to like prepare to like just feel a lot of different emotions and um I think one thing I want to call out for anyone who might be just like processing all of this is like to not let I guess, social media or other people, whatever, like, gaslight us of, like, questioning, like, wait, am I making it about race when it's not really about race? Like, and there's, I mean, I've, I've seen, like, Asian Americans, or maybe I've just seen one person <laughs> post that, like, all lives matter, and it's just, like, mm, and... tell me tell me after this but yeah and it's just like what we feel it wasn't even like something we had to think through it was like a visceral reaction the moment we read about it we knew we knew we connected the dots without even trying to that this was racially motivated and um yesterday in our bible study we had a little bit of time to kind of just process and see how people are feeling and um i think it was maybe you or someone else who said it. it it's just like words have become weaponized into actions and we don't like we don't feel safe anymore like I don't feel safe for for my mom like she went to Costco today and we're just like is she gonna be okay like we're very lucky that I think Washington especially Seattle Bellevue area is relatively safe but you just never know I mean the attacks happen in Chinatown like there's been vandalism in churches up north like I don't know um but anyways back to what I was saying just you know, what you feel, what we are feeling is like valid. And I think it's important to have reminders of that because, you know, media and other people are going to try to convince you otherwise. They're just going to say, oh, he had a bad day. And then this is what happened. Like what in the world? Like it just makes my blood boil. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like, they're like, oh, we're looking into it. I'm like, what are, what are you looking into? What are you think you're going to find? You think that he himself is going to proclaim, yeah, I'm a racist. I did this because I'm a racist. I'm like, no, okay, that's not going to happen. I'm like, are you trying to find like, oh, like in his room, he had like, I hate Asians, like scribbled (laughs) everywhere. Like that's not going to happen. And like, I just wish that like society would realize that like racism, like hate sentiment, like xenophobia can manifest itself in more subtle ways than explicitly spelling it out on a billboard and obviously the murder of eight people is not a subtle way Mm -hmm. but it's just like i was watching this video like trevor noah was saying that like 
right now America is like fixated on treating the symptoms but not mm-hmm. the root cause mm-hmm. and like the root cause right now is racism right and the thing is it's always been subtle and now it's just coming to light like in a very aggressive manner I mean this is a very um innocent example but growing up every single time I brought lunch to school it's like I'd be self-conscious if it was like an Asian dish like what is that or even like you know it's it's not I think as kids like there's not that malicious intent but there's something about the society and how we're raised that like whiteness is superior like yeah. American things are the status quo and like otherwise it's like huh what is that like I mean, I'm like, you're missing out. Like, I'd be eating good cuisine, and now you guys are, like, catching up and trying to eat KBBQ, and, like, I, I don't know, like, all, of, like, like, they're seeing the goodness and the value of our culture, but they don't necessarily, like, love us and accept us for, like, who we are. Right, and, like, obviously this isn't an, a singular isolated experience to just Asians. Like, I'm, like, I know that, like, our Black and African American brothers and sisters have been saying mm-hmm. and experiencing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is very sad. It's like they get to pick and choose, like, what parts of the culture they accept. Um, but kind of, like, going back to your thing about you'd be self-conscious, like, bring your lunch to school. Like, I just remember when I was in college, so very recently, like, I had a friend in my major a year above me, and he legally changed his name from an Asian sounding name Mm -hmm. to Miles because no one would hire him because on his resume, like it, he had a very Chinese name. Mm -hmm. And so everyone assumed like employers just assumed like Mm -hmm. he wouldn't speak like perfectly fluent English. And so like the moment he changed his name legally, like in college, like senior year, like, he started getting a ton more interviews oh and, like, gosh. getting through the door just because he changed his names from, like, um, an English sound – or, sorry, a Chinese-sounding name to Miles. And it just really – I mean, we, we have so much to get through, and, like, Cleo has more, um, I mean, like, historical facts and, and other things to get into, but it's just really frustrating even, like, pronouncing our name right. You know, from the most basic example of, like – the last name Win, like we knew so many wins growing up, and like people be like, "What is that?" Like Naguyan, and I'm like, "Can you just say their name?" Or like, I I still know people at work who kind of like go by a certain name because their full name is like too long or whatever. And then I saw this post. It's like, okay, Phoebe, don't look like it sounds like Phoebe, but somehow we conform and we know we. Oh, well, if you're a Phoebe, like we're gonna say your name. It's like English is weird. English doesn't make sense most of the time. Like, why do we, like, how can we make every effort to, like, you know, pronounce someone's name correctly? And then it's, like, if ours is too difficult, like, oh, I'll, I'll just change it. Like, I'll have a nickname, you know? And, uh, yeah. Um, And, sorry, also going back to your point about how our Black brothers and sisters have been going through this. Like, it, it's not, I guess, how do I say this? Like, it's all very intertwined because even though this hate crime was against Asian Americans... It's not a coincidence that this white man got arrested alive. Meanwhile, you know, other black people, they they get killed for literally doing nothing. Like, Breonna Taylor got killed in her sleep. Like, it's obviously different situations, but I, I do 
believe that there is that overlap of like like you were saying that underlying um not not symptom but the other one. <laughs> oh my gosh the Sentiment. underlying oh no you're saying trevor noah saying we're addressing oh, the symptoms cause. not the cause oh cause a big word whoops oh, uh, we're not addressing gosh. the underlying cause of racism whether subtle or you know really forward and upfront but sorry um lots of just random raw thoughts um but i know you have you know some stats and things to to bring up yeah well i guess it's not i just wanted to like put more historical context behind this because like this shooting was just the latest in a recent surge of anti-asian hate crimes and violence many instances of which are targeted towards the elderly which Mm. is horrible like literally why like why are you trying to attack people that are not defenseless it's absolutely disgusting like, like like that could be any of our grandparents like i don't it's like pick on someone your own size like please don't pick on anyone in general but like why them of all demographics like what do they do to you nothing horrible i'm like they're just trying to survive from covid and now they have to try to fight this too i'm like that is so horrible okay sorry one more point i'm like people are i guess like getting angry no i'm just generalizing but these people who are committing these hate crimes and attacking you know, Asian Americans, because I guess in their mind, like, we're the cause for coronavirus or something. I'm like, most of us are doing our part in, like, staying home, like, not spreading the virus, like, not traveling and partying recklessly. I'm like, again, this is a generalization, but I'm like, I know a lot of other people who are not doing their part and traveling and partying and just, like, going about. And I'm like, ugh. Anyways, not, not a finished thought, but you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like we're trying. You're, I think you're trying to say like we're trying to be part of the solution, right? Well, but like they're blaming us as if we're the sole problem. Yes, but yeah, I get. Yeah, like this isn't new, unfortunately. But um, some stats to put things into perspective, um, according to many studies, but NBC News, um, they said that anti-Asian hate crimes has risen 150 percent since 2020, mostly in New York and LA. Um, while overall hate crime has decreased by 7% because, you know, everyone's staying at home. Mm-hmm. So it's more alarming that mm-hmm. anti-Asian hate crimes specifically have risen so much while other hate crimes have mm-hmm. decreased by 7%. And um, says that they've received more than 2,800 reports of hate incidents between March and December of 2020, 68% of which were made by women. Um, obviously, March um was you know mm-hmm. when covid broke out um so yeah it's just very unfortunate um and i found this quote from karthik ramakrishnan who is the founder and director of api data and he told nbc that while the uptick cannot be entirely attributed to the trump administration's incendiary racist rhetoric about the coronavirus he does believe that trump's wielding of the fact that the virus originated in china and repeated elevation of the quote-unquote china virus or like kung flu rhetoric did play a part in fostering the hate um and another quote from russell jung who is a professor at san francisco state university and the co-founder of stop api hate he says that even before covid19 anti-asian sentiment existed and was resurrected in history during times of war pandemic and economic downturn 
the same fears and stereotypes are always lurking underneath. Um, so I guess before I hop into like more of the history, I kind of wanted to pause and see like if you had any reaction to that. Um, because I do feel like many instances throughout history, which I'll dive into, is just like whenever something happens and people are afraid, their automatic reaction is to find a scapegoat to direct their fears towards. And unfortunately, like their fear manifests itself into hatred and division. Yeah, I mean, I think on top of the anger and obviously like the fear that has developed even more so after these occurrences, it's kind of, I can't help but be sad. I mean, sad, of course, for the loss um, of these women and the grief that their families and loved ones are now going through, but also just sadness about how divided our country is. And we are in a bit of a bubble in Washington, um, but I just can't imagine like what it looks like maybe in the South where like the the viewpoints are just so different or maybe other parts of America where people just simply aren't educated and they're looking to the president or other high level figures um you know to inform them and for me it was always like what is he saying like this is absolutely ridiculous but I honestly never thought it would amount to this you know to the riots to these hate crimes um it's just truly insane to see the power of a single person's words. And I agree, it's not only a single person because at the end of the day, it's these other people who committed these crimes and took action. Um, but it's it's very saddening to see that maybe these were the underlying you know, sentiments all along. And it's just that now, having been led by someone who kind of... Mm, allowed it and would say like stand by and stuff like that and and now these people are like acting on on what they've been feeling all along and I'm obviously like the conditions of this year have just amplified everything I recognize it's a really difficult year for everyone but still in no way is this justified and the stats kind of just affirm what I'm feeling like (laughs) um but yeah as I said like this is very deeply rooted in the history and I would say foundation of America. So unfortunately, it's not surprising that it's, you know, come up again. Mm-hmm. For example, in back in 1871, there was a Chinese massacre where rioters killed 10% of the Chinese population in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, and eight people were convicted of manslaughter, but surprise, the convictions were overturned. And no one was retried. So I'm like, hmm, lack of accountability goes back very far. Oh my gosh. Um, and then there was a 1854 California Supreme Court case called People versus Hall that set a very dangerous precedent by ruling that an Asian person could not testify against a white person in a criminal what? proceeding. And of course, after this, suddenly there was this, you know, understanding that you could attack like Chinese people and there'd be you know no legal repercussions and so Chinese people or like Asian people in general were just seen as you know open to attack the sad thing is like I don't deny that as Asian Americans we have some sense of privilege in America 
Um, and that's a whole nother conversation with the other races and ethnicities out there, um, even um, East Asian versus, you know, Southeast Asian, like it, the conversation can go on. But I feel like deep down, we've always known we were, all of us are inferior to the white man. And like, it's really horrible to see that, you know, these laws and there have been systems in place to be against us. And like shortly after, obviously, the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882 was signed by President Chester A. Arthur, which legalized a 10-year ban on Chinese labor immigration. Um, it was supposed to be only 10 years, but it kind of continued in some form until 1943. Which um, is not that long ago, people. That's very scary. Yeah. And apparently back in the 19th century, um, the perception were that immigrants were the source of diseases like smallpox, leprosy, malaria. Um, and they kind of use this as an excuse to pass the law. And of course, fears that they were taking away jobs from white workers. I'm like, hmm, sounds familiar. <laughs> um, and kind of fast forward a little bit um, into the 1900s. Um, the San Francisco bubonic plague, um, I read that in March of 1900, the discovery of a body of a Chinese person suspected of having died from the plague, um, led the health department to quarantine all of San Francisco's Chinatown. Um, the quote was, they allowed white people to leave, but they kept Chinese segregated there to get the disease and um, people say that the current anti-asian sentiment is very similar to the historic period um it's just like this association with the, the disease that mm. we're dirty we're contaminating the country and um course in world war ii with the japanese internment camps um after the pearl harbor bombings president roosevelt issued an executive order in 1942 that led to the internment camps for Japanese people, regardless of their citizenship. They said almost all Japanese Americans, more than 120,000, had to leave their homes and live in camps for the rest of the war, which is crazy to me. And like, there was this picture on the website and it kind of made me, I mean, obviously it should make me sad, but it kind of shook me because it was actually taken in Seattle. Mm. Um, they said May 10th of 1945. And they came back from the Japanese internment camp, which was in Idaho. And then they found that their home and garage were vandalized with anti-Japanese graffiti and broken windows. And like people spray painted, yeah, just bad things. Like I don't want to repeat it. Um, and it's just so sad. I'm like, Seattle? Like, I mean, the church that you go to and call your home church is, like, predominantly Japanese-Americans. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, crazy to think that, that people know people that were in... Right. Some of these is, like, their grandparents or great-grandparents. Yeah. So, I'm like, it really was not that long ago. Um, in the 1980s, the U.S. hit a recession and the country's automotive industry was being out-competed by the Japanese. Mm. And... Two white auto workers attacked a 27-year-old named Vincent Chin with a baseball bat because oh my gosh. they thought he was Japanese. He was Chinese, but yeah, they thought he was Japanese and they beat him up. Um, and because they were like, you're stealing our jobs. Mm. And post 9-11, the number of attacks against people perceived as Muslim rose exponentially. And that's just like another case of fear driving others to hate and divide 
Yeah. And And, uh, I always say this, but it's, like, the root of, like, pretty much all evil is, like, selfishness. Like, like, yeah, they're fearful, but, like, why are they fearful? Because they're scared that their livelihoods are going to be put at stake. Because they're scared their job is going to get taken away. And, yeah, it's really just so sad to see what, you know, that, that seed of evil can do. And just spread, like, crazy amongst a people group. Yeah. I mean, C.S. Lewis does say the root of all sin is pride. Mm. Um, but also, well, sorry, one more thing. Um, I didn't want to forget to say, like, in the early, early 20th century, American officials in the Philippines claimed Filipinos were supposedly unclean and uncivilized and as such justified their continued U.S. colonial rule in the islands. So it's just like, yeah, I feel like people always finding some secondary reason to as a justification, thinly veiled one, Mm. (laughs) to, yeah, just exert their self-proclaimed supremacy. And it's very, very sad. And it's kind of crazy that we are living in it, like, again. I guess going off from, you know, the the facts and the statistics, um, one thing that's really been on my mind is just, I don't know, I guess like the implications of this on people's perception of the church in the, you know, church body. Um, This gunman, this murderer, was supposedly Christian and went to church, was active, and it's really hard for us to reconcile that as, yeah, professing Christians that are trying their best to live out their faith. Um, It's just such a wide disconnect from our idea of truth. And, you know, like, he, he did this because he felt sexual temptation and wanted to rid himself of it and I don't know I feel like it's just also very disappointing because I I know that all the things that are going on to atheists agnostics some other faith groups like you know this guy was is to them sadly and very scarily like an ambassador of Christianity because like maybe they don't know any Christians and now like to them you know is this what a Christian looks like and so I don't know. Yeah, um, I guess I, I'm obviously like this situation is like perhaps nuanced. Like maybe he had mental health issues. Like he is a racist. Um, maybe he was taught bad theology. Like why mm-hmm. did he have access to a gun? I think it's like complicated because there's so many different issues at play right. and in the mix that unfortunately just boiled over. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, it it does make me sad because I'm like, how how can you say that you're a proud professing Christian and then turn around and kill eight innocent people? Right, so I think in my mind there's that mix of like, obviously I'm worried for my family members and, you know, us and trying to process all of this, but then at the same time, being a Christian and having a lot of non-Christian friends and coworkers, I'm just like, when the time comes, like, how do I even navigate that conversation? Because, I mean, I don't want to not talk about it. It's very, I mean, you you have to be living under a rock to not, like, know that this is going on right now. And I guess I've just seen posts from certain people being like, like, this is the church. And it, it's very sad when I see those because I'm like, these are my friends and people I know and, like, totally valid that they feel this. Um... But it makes me want to be like, you know, this is not the church. Like, this is not the church that God had designed. Yeah, yeah. Like, similarly, like, on subreddit, like, 
r slash atheism. Like, the top post was them being like, oh, was a quote saying that, like, oh, mm-hmm. this guy was、um, an active member in this church. And then they're like, obviously, everyone. Like in the comments, we're like railing into it and being like, see, this is what's the problem with like religion and Christianity. And I'm not saying that there's no issues <laughs>、um, like within the church、mm-hmm. or like the way that perhaps like white theology、mm-hmm. is taught.、Um, because sometimes it's like, I mean, I'm definitely part of this as well, but sometimes I live in this bubble. Of like Western civilization and like Western theology and Western Christianity.、Mm-hmm. And it's like hard to kind of a broader worldview and be like, whoa,、right. <laughs> God is God over the entire universe,、mm-hmm. not just in the United States of America. And it's like, I think perhaps the way that Christianity is taught and lived out here is. Could be problematic.、Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not, but I guess at the root of it, it's like I don't want people to link a human being's flawed life to then like blame Jesus、mm-hmm. and God.、Um, because I guess like I feel like we know that it's just been misconstrued and twisted and like sin has just really ruined it.、Mm-hmm. But Yeah, I guess like a section of the Bible I wanted to share was、um, from 1 John. Because when we were talking earlier and I was saying how I felt like so much of this was rooted in fear fear of catching COVID, fear of losing your job, like fear of being out earned. Because again, like this whole model minority was, you know, a myth kind of rooted in like white supremacy、mm-hmm. to try to. I don't know. Again, like gaslight. Now that、us. I think about that, I'm like, that phrase is so terrible. But, like, we would, you know, we like, grew up just being like, oh, yeah, model minority. Like, yeah, like, oh, we're good at math. We're good. We're- like, I almost, I believed it. Like, I'm, I mean, are we good at math? Yes. But it's like, not anymore. I'm not, but. No. <laughs> like, I, yeah, that, that's crazy. Like, <sighs> yeah, to like, I kind of.、Um, Yeah, kind of pull like the wool over our eyes and like trick us into thinking that we have it great, you know? We're like quote unquote out earning people and like. It's true. Like you see those graphs about like, you know, for every dollar a white man makes, like, you know, this demographic makes this, this demographic makes that. And it's like Asian women, Chinese women in particular, like it's pretty up there. And it's like, I feel like there are moments where I'm like, oh, that's not too bad. But it's like, They are kind of, I'm not gonna say brainwashing because like, I, I can think for myself and like I shouldn't be, you know, seeing these statistics and just being like, oh, going on my dandy way, like I'm fourth on the list. Like it shouldn't be that way, but there is an element of being like, we're just like right there. Like we're never gonna be enough. <laughs> but at the same time, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I just feel like it's like, I mean, obviously we're just like going off the cuff stream of consciousness, but、yeah. it's just like, I feel like the, that phrase, like model minority, was coined as a way to play victim and being like, we're not white supremacists. Sometimes we're not supreme. Like, look at this chart. Like, we don't actually make like, the most money.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I guess it kind of just like, kind of tricks us into being complacent, less vocal.、Right. We've always kind of just been in that in between. Like, we are very much, and I, again, when I say we, very generalized statements based on our own experiences. But 
we're never like top top but we're at a point where it's comfortable enough where we I don't know are in a place that our parents have kind of worked to get us to um and we're always just kind of like yeah just in a safe spot where like if we don't speak up it doesn't hurt us if we do speak up like I mean I don't know I think we just tend to be on like the we don't speak up side like with BLM for example it a lot of the conversations felt very black and white like a lot of I don't know like I, I felt like as an Asian American if I didn't speak up like I wouldn't get reprimanded in the way that like the white community would if that makes sense and not to say that's justified and like it shouldn't be that way, but I, I don't know. I, I just feel like we're in that position where it just kind of perpetuates our tendencies to not be vocal, like you said, and we can, I don't know, kind of get away with it. But then there are moments also on the flip side where like we don't really have a voice at the end of the day because we know like there are greater forces out there. What do you mean by greater forces? Like, I feel like deep down, even in corporate America, I have this, like, I want to make a difference. Like, I even as a junior person, I want to impact the culture of my, my team. And hopefully that flows into the greater company and all that stuff. But, like, I think at the end of the day, there are so many other mm, systems and powers out there that I'm, like, like, how much of a difference can it really make? Yeah, but I feel like that's, like, the trap. Right, right that's what I'm saying. It, it is. It's, like, this lie that's kind of been fed to us that, like, we can't make a difference so then because we can't we don't try but I think that's like the mistake is to not try um and obviously this will take lots of time and work and actions but I guess like going back to that verse um it's like first John 4 18 through 21 so it says there's no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment the one who fears is not made perfect in love we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us his command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And I guess I bring this up because, again, going back to the idea of just how, so much fear that then gets twisted and like evolves into physical actions of hate um it's just like it's just such a stark contrast to what i think god had intended for us mm -hmm. like god is love um and again it says perfect love drives out fear and i just hope and pray that you know heaven and new earth i'm not going to get into like new earth theology <laughs> but um yeah with like new earth that we can be restored to world that god intended for us and that there will be no hate like this and yeah like this idea that god commands us commands us to love our brother and sister like it's not just our brother and sister who like looks like us and like as asian americans i will definitely admit like i think we have been silent for far too long mm -hmm. especially in like voicing our opinion to help other minority groups that aren't just asian mm -hmm. like obviously now because it's like hitting so close to home like a lot of our friends and the people in the asian community that we know are suddenly galvanized mm -hmm. to speak up but like i think we need to speak up on behalf of all our brothers and sisters regardless if they, they are going through the exact same thing and so I guess I don't know I don't know if I have like a conclusion for that it's just yeah I'm like it feels like 
I don't know, maybe it's like a little bit too kumbaya, like love is the answer. <laughs> no, but I think it's kind of a lead into the practical ways we can engage and try to help. Obviously, um, we're all learning, we're all figuring it out, and there's going to be moments where we're just too weary and, you know, exhausted to engage, um, let alone, you know, educate other people and have those conversations. But I think we can all do our share and I guess... A few tangible ways I'm thinking off the top of my head is one, just having these conversations with people and especially with our non-Asian friends. Like one of my white friends texted me the other day, like, how are you doing? Just like not about everything that's going on, but just like, how are you doing? And I was honest with her. I said, you know, it's been a really hard couple of days for the Asian American community. Like, I'm not sure if you heard about the shootings in Atlanta, um, but you know, it's, it's been rough to to process all that and, you know, etc. And opening those doors up because maybe they don't know how to approach us. I know that when BLM movement and, you know, the murders of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor, the list goes on. Like, I did reach out to a few um, of my Black friends and co-workers, but it, it took me a bit because I was like, I don't know if this is the right time. Like, I don't know how they're doing. Like, I don't want to give them another text to respond to when they're already so emotionally drained. Like, all these thoughts went through my head. But now that we're in that position, I'm like, you know, it doesn't hurt to reach out. Um, and then another way is perhaps getting involved in um, your local community, whether local community meaning like whether it's your, you know, your your church group, your close friend group, your your I don't know, club at school, or for me, it's um, at work. Um, we've been starting up these inclusion and diversity initiatives, and it's something that I'm very, I guess, passionate about in terms of what I was saying, like, oh, trying to make a difference, because there's a handful of us that gather, and we are really trying to drive change in terms of what inclusion and diversity looks like. And it, it's it's difficult at times, because I'm like, I know all of us in this room care, but does everyone else in the team and across North America and does like leadership care? Because I mean, there's a reason why like it's all of these people of color in this room. Um, so I, I think everyone can um, do different things just within their circle and what whatever strengths you have, like, you know, play to them. Like for some people, it's being really educated and being able to share that with people on social media. Um, for other people, it's the ability to connect and be authentic and honest and to engage in those conversations. Um, but I know Cleo has some um, also more practical steps that can uh, kind of apply to anyone. Yeah, I guess going back to what you said about reaching out, I was definitely in the same boat. Like at the height of the BLM movement, I wasn't sure if I should reach out. I'm like, it's kind of awkward. Like, again, I don't want to overwhelm them. And like I did and I was glad I did. Um, because at the end of the day, like, we can't necessarily control how they react, but the only thing that we can do is take that step mm -hmm. and reach out. And, like, you don't know how much it can mean to someone to know that someone not inside their, like, immediate, like, community, like, recognizes our fears and can support us. Like, even if, like, it's just one text and, like, you're not going to do anything else after, at least, like, you did that. But I'm not saying you should only stop there, but I think it's, like, yeah, I guess we're just putting it out there. Mm -hmm. Like, feel free. But also, like, don't expect a response right away. Right. Because it's, like, sometimes you, 
like now that we're on this end of it and like I don't really know what to say because I'm like processing in real time as well mm-hmm. so to just like kind of give that space to someone to be like they may they might not know what to say either but at least again you reached out but yeah some other ways to help I got this from an Instagram account that like makes really good infographics her handle is at Kim Syra, so K-I-M-S-A-I-R-A. I'm positive you've seen her stuff because it's like being shared everywhere, which is great. Cause like, and that's a perfect example of her using her gifts. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not out here making infographics. <laughs> but um, so yeah, I got this from her. Um, one is like support your local Asian American owned small businesses. Very important because like ahead of COVID, people started like avoiding chinatown right like literally like the plague like (laughs) um and so like these businesses need your help and to amplify and share people's stories i think now more than ever i've realized the importance of amplifying these voices first i didn't like i was completely ignorant but now it's like i recognize more so the again the salience of rhetoric um, and the way you frame things. So yeah, amplify and share people's stories. Three, we already mentioned this, check in on your API friends and family. Four, don't be silent. And I think that's kind of why my sister and I are trying to do this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by no means are we, you know, experts or sitting on our high horse being like, oh, we're so active. Like, no, we're really, we're, we're trying to finally speak up, essentially. And um It's going to be an ongoing conversation and I mean, I really hope that these hate crimes and, you know, subtle attacks, um, even just through words towards Asian Americans will stop. But sadly, part of me feels like, you know, this is not the end and we have a long way to go. Um, And if we all do a small thing to do our part, um, like... I don't know, who knows, it can make a big difference. I think there are moments where I get discouraged because I'm like, okay, it's just an echo chamber. Like we're all resharing the same aesthetic posts and we all have the same mutual friends, but you truly never know what seed you're planting. Like we all do have a subset of friends and acquaintances that, you know, other people don't know and you just don't know what the domino effect of that could look like. And maybe it'll take multiple times before other people realize like, hey, like, is this something I should be looking into? Or is this something I should care about? Um, And we can't, you know, we can't expect to see all the impacts immediately. Um, Yeah, again, there's all my thoughts are just kind of streams of consciousness. And there's no end or pretty bow to wrap them with. But um, you're witnessing it in real time, everybody. (laughs) Yes. But I mean, if you've made it this far, honestly, just thank you for listening and engaging with us. And um being i guess what's the word showing us grace as we are processing in real time um and just like learning like we may misspeak we may be misinformed but the hope is that we'll continue to learn and just stay active in this and um yeah yeah um but yeah i guess to wrap this up a couple more ways um you can call your legislatures legislators (laughs) and ask what they're doing for the asian community um um, if you do see a crime, like report it to stopapihate.com. Um, you can also donate to various like GoFundMe's that are out there and initiatives geared towards helping the Asian and Asian American community during this time. And as you mentioned, like I think hopefully this will 
will set us on a journey of more dialogue Mm -hmm. and education. Um, And I guess the hope is always (laughs) to have a better future for our children. Mm -hmm. So hopefully by then it'll be a little bit better. But to end, I wanted to read out the names of the victims um, because it's important to realize that they were people like they're not just a headline yeah like they were mothers sisters daughters friends um and so oh and i guess fathers there was also male victims but Mm -hmm. yeah it's just so sad um and yeah i just like i can't imagine if that was like our mom right and like i have friends whose parents you know work in the service industry hospitality industry owns a restaurant like that really could have been someone that we knew. And uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. Like you said, sometimes we can become so numb to these headlines because we're just seeing one after the other. But to remember that they had a life ahead of them, they were just trying to provide, you know, from their family and, you know, make a living. Like they were doing hard work, like servicing people, servicing people that looked like, you know, the people, the very people who were racist against them and mistreating them. And it's so heartbreaking. But um, no, I think it's a great idea to recognize, um, you know, that they were humans with stories. um, And yeah, I think it's, I guess, in a way, honoring to, to call their names out loud. Yeah. So this is just the names that have been released so far. Um, First one is Xiao Jie Tan, um, who's 49. Um, she actually owned the one of the massage parlors, and she unfortunately had a daughter who recently graduated from University of Georgia. Um, that's like that's so heartbreaking. I'm like 49 is just so young. Um, Dao Yu Feng, 44. Um, she started working at the spa shortly before the shooting happened. Julie Park, one of the two women identified by the Korea Times Atlanta. Um, she was in her 70s and working at Gold Spa. Hyunjung Park Grant, um, she was in her 50s um, and worked at Gold Spa. Delena Ashley Yan, who's 33, she was a mother of two. Um, she had an eight-month-old daughter and a 13-year-old son. Her husband survived, mm. so it's like, man, I can't imagine, like, going through all that. Um, Elsius Hernandez-Ortiz, who's 30, he remains in critical condition. He has a wife and a nine-year-old daughter, um, and they set up a GoFundMe to help cover his medical bills. And um, lastly, so far, Paul Andre Michaels, who's 54. But, yeah, I guess we just wanted to end with that, like, realize that these are real people, like, yeah so sad um and i guess of course it's important to be praying for our nation but of course not just pray but Mm -hmm. also take actionable steps um but yeah i guess thanks for listening to us ramble and process in real time it's just we felt like it would be criminal not to say something because i'm like we can't just ignore this. So, yeah. Guess with that, 
we will call it a day. Bye.